This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show. But there's something I think that a lot of people are plagued with right now, and that's called Jets fatigue. Because you can't help turning on a program. The Jets, Aaron Rodgers, Hard Knocks, they are going to be a part of the conversation. And probably they're going to be at the forefront of any type of conversation you're having on a daily basis. You bring in Aaron Rodgers, what do you expect? If you're tired of the Jets now, well, this could go one of two ways. Number one, you want to see this team fall flat on their face. The other half is what if they're really good? You know, it isn't just a bunch of hype, a bunch of buzz. Like, what if this team is actually pretty well put together? This is the Dan Grosser Show. 97.5. We're not 97.5. What do you th- No, 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 98.5. You know, 98.7 yeah, is what yeah. you're looking for. <laughs> On 98.7 ESPN. Yeah, so that's how essentially we started the show today. Sounded like a special appearance from Gollum at the end of that. Gollum. Gross. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Like if I if I was if, if if I was in the car and I heard that, I would almost like pull over to the side of the road and feel like I have to like take out some sanitizer and just like clean up in my car, even though it was only coming through the radio. That's how contagious it sounded. And sometimes that happens, you know. Gross. Anyway, final hour of the show. Dan Grasso with you. 800 919 That is the telephone number. We're taking it right up until nine. Gordon and Larry are going to slide in at that point and carry the rest of the evening. Remember, you can get me on Twitter, at Dan Gross, at G-R-A-C-A. A lot of football. First hour and a half or so of the program. Season starts manana. Casey and Detroit over at Arrowhead Stadium. So we'll see what the champs uh, do for an encore here, see if they could run it back, even though they might not be 100%. May not have Travis Kelsey. We'll see if that knee is going to allow him to go. It would take a miracle for them to get Chris Jones to a new contract and him out on the field tomorrow. But uh, nevertheless, you know, the Chiefs are still a very good team. The place will be rocking, you know, raise the banner. And we'll see uh, our first look at this Lions team, which is kind of the flavor of the month. You think the Jets are the flavor of the month. The Lions are the the chic pick to kind of rise from the ashes this season and to finally get back to the playoffs. And who knows, maybe even win a playoff game in the NFC. I, I'll believe it when I see it because they're the Lions. You know, as I've said all summer, they're a team that has only won one playoff game in the Super Bowl era. Think about that. Like, you think the Jets or any of these other teams are snake bit? You win one playoff game in 55 years. That's saying something. That is going to be tough to top. Jason Dominguez, the Martian, going yard over in the Bronx. There you go. Here we go. His third of his young career. And the Yankees have themselves a 2-1 lead over the Cats in the third inning. So, I I wanted to do a little baseball here specifically. Not even so much about the team. Because, look, I'm not buying the hype yet that the Yankees are going to get back into this thing. And I don't care that they're only seven and a half back. It's it's too much to ask. It's not going to happen. What I will say, though, is last night, and it happened after our show ended. I was already on the way home. When Stanton connected for a home run, and it was his 400th career home run. And I had no idea. None. And I was pretty surprised when I saw that he became the fourth fastest in baseball history to 400 home runs. The only ones that accomplished that in a shorter amount of time as far as games played are concerned 
Mark McGuire, Babe Ruth, and Alex Rodriguez. Now, we know that there's an asterisk, of course, with McGuire and, and with A-Rod. And I would have thought for sure that maybe Bonds' name was up on that list. But nevertheless, it wasn't. So, obviously, you get 400. And then the next conversation always sways to, well, why not 500? Right? That's next up on the accomplishment list for this player. Now, look. We know that it hasn't worked out as a whole with Stanton in a Yankee uniform, right? We know that. He's 33 years of age. He's going to turn 34 in November. All right, he's not a senior citizen by any stretch, but in baseball terms, he's already been playing this game for 14 years in the big leagues. 14 years. So you have to wonder how much does he have left. Now, the problem with Stanton over the last couple of seasons is he hasn't necessarily been available. So that's really the biggest hiccup for him chasing whatever type of records and accomplishments that he might find. You know, is he going to be able to go out there and play 120 games a year, even if it's as a designated hitter, to where if he's in the lineup, he's going to be able to produce? But then, of course, if you get to 500, and I say if, that's one of those, like, magic mile markers and unspoken criterias, which then get you admission into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Right? You get 3,000 hits. You get 500 home runs. Whatever. Right now, though, like, the more I think about it, if he retired tomorrow, Stan's not a Hall of Famer. He's not. I mean, if you look at the body of work, and that's the thing, guys. I mean, you forget. It's 14 years. 14 years a long time. And if you're going at his ledger, he might have only have had, let's say, four to five Hall of Fame-worthy seasons. That, to me, is not the makings of a Hall of Famer. All right? If, if you go to the Hall of Fame, you have done well, and you have been playing at a high elite level for a decade. you got to have about ten of those years, not four or five. So he still has a long, long way to go as far as I'm concerned. And sometimes you can't even get caught up in the numbers and the statistics. And case in point, there was a guy who retired a few years ago. And and maybe just because it's me. But I was rooting so hard, so hard for this guy to reach 500 home runs. Because he would be like the case study that would finally blow up the whole 500 home runs makes you an automatic Hall of Famer because this guy was not attached to any sort of steroids, no cheating, nothing like that. This guy just went out there and hit home runs, but he was the furthest thing from a Hall of Fame player, and he finished with 462 home runs. So he couldn't quite hang on long enough to get 500, but he came damn close. He was at 462, and this guy, no way, no how, is a Hall of Famer. And that guy's Adam Dunn. Remember Adam Dunn? Played with Cincinnati, the White Sox. He was a slugger. Nothing more, nothing less. He hit about 220, but he would go out there and hit you, you know, 30-something home runs a year. But he wasn't, you know, not a Hall of Fame player. He's not an immortal by any stretch. But think about it. Adam Dunn came within 38 home runs of getting to 500. Then what would happen? Would they have to put Adam Dunn in the Hall of Fame? You couldn't do that. So here lies Stanton. That's what I'm saying. He's at 400. I don't know how many he's going to finish up with. But just because you come close to, let's say, that magic number, it doesn't make you 
somebody that should be immortalized in Cooperstown. 14 seasons, and only five of them are what we would classify as Hall of Fame worthy? Not happening for me. Not happening. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. And if you would have told me that, let's say, I don't know, when he left Miami, I would have thought for sure he was on the fast track to the Hall of Fame. Because remember, his last year with the Marlins is when he won the MVP and he hit the 59 home runs. And he was still only 27 years old. He hit, let me see, he hit 267 home runs as a Marlin. So let that sink in. 267 in only eight years. And he was 27. You would have thought, oh my gosh, if this guy plays another eight more years, easily he's probably going to hit, if he could stay healthy, at least another 200 minimum. And that hasn't happened yet. Sports is a funny thing. You know, it's nice to be able to just go out there and project. And that's why all these stupid, you know, models that we were talking about with the FPI and all these other things, like, they stand for absolutely nothing. You know, when a game is played by human beings with the computers and the data and the analytics and all that stuff, it means absolute nonsense. You've got to let this thing play it out. And how about Keenan Middleton going on the injured list, too, for the Yankees with a shoulder? I mean, like... I guess we've temporarily moved past the whole Brian Cashman needs to go thing and all the bad moves that he's made, but that's another one. And I know that the Yankees weren't realistically a playoff team anyway, but my gosh, you get a guy and now two weeks later or whatever it is, he's he's done. He's done. One guy they already had to DFA and they released him, that Spencer Howard kid that they took a flyer on at the deadline, and now Middleton probably going to throw another pitch again. Holy cow. Richard is in Manhattan. He's next here on 98.7. Hi, Rich. How are you? Hi, Dan. You were right about uh, Tiafu and Shelton. You, see, you, you called it right away. There you go. You know, everyone always talks about the 85 Bears team. I go back to the 63 Bears team, and that was, a, I think, a better defense. And the reason why, they both won championships. The best player, offensive player on the 85 Bears was Walter Payton. Right. You know who the best offensive player on the 63 Bears was? Gail Sayers? No, he wasn't there yet. He, came he wasn't there, that's right, yeah. Walter Payton's coach. That's how bad they were on offense. Ditka, yeah. Ditka, yeah. He, Ditka. They were terrible. See, here's the thing with Ditka. Ditka was such a personality, you know, if you were of a certain age, you know, as a head coach and Iron Mike and everything, people don't realize how friggin' great of a tight end he was. I mean, he's all a yeah, he was tight one end. of the first. Yeah, he was probably one of the first star tight ends. Him and, and John, John Mackey, John I think, Mackey. were the two. You know? Mackey yeah. came a little later on. Yep. Nicole. Listen, Dan, you're missing the sports story of the night. Which is? Verlander Scherzer. Oh, yeah. I, I mentioned that to the guys, as a matter of fact. I was going to get well, into that. you didn't that. mention it on the air. I know I didn't mention it on the air because the all game right. just started. All right, so I got I got This isn't, I this isn't Rangers, Astros baseball that people care about, Richard. Come on. But you got, what, 500 wins going at it, right, no. between the, the two of them? The intrigue to me, though, is how long is Scherzer going to last because he took himself out of his last start with forearm tightness. I'm shocked right. he's making this start. I really and truly am. Dan, you got Acuna, Betts, Semyon, and Schwerzer. Mm-hmm. All four of those guys have a good chance, 100 RBIs, all four are leadoff hitters. Now, you may not think that's a big deal. 25% of their at-bats, or 20 to 25%, come in the first inning with nobody on base. 
So to get 100 RBIs that way, that's pretty incredible. Plus, you're batting behind the eight, in back of the eight and nine hitters, which are usually not too great, you know, those kind of guys. So that's a pretty great accomplishment, I'd have to say. Yeah, the lineup turns over. You know what it is, Richard? It turns over, and then you get an opportunity with guys from the bottom. That's why the way some of these clubs now construct the lineup and make out the batting order and all those things, they kind of put a guy down there at nine who's going to be able to get on base for you because the lineup turns over, and then you have your big hitters again at the top that are going to be able to drive them in. You know, because now teams are putting their number two, their best hitter at number two. You know, back in the day, it used to be you put him third. And now sometimes it's either first or second because they want to give them, you know, it, isn't it funny how it took baseball like over a century to figure out, wait a sec, you mean to tell me if you hit your best guys – either first or second in the lineup, that they're going to get more opportunities to go in the batter's box as opposed to if they were hitting seventh or eighth? Genius. Genius. Who would have thought of that one? 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Some movement potentially on the Mets search for a new head of baseball operations. We'll get into that plus more of your calls. We roll till 9. It's Grasso with you on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Richard mentioned the uh, Astros-Rangers game with Verlander and Scherzer. It's 2-1 in the first inning. So neither guy has exactly settled in yet. Balls flying out of the yard down there in Texas. The Rangers are in an absolute free fall right now. And I never thought I'd say this, you know, in, in July, but they might miss the playoffs altogether. They are a mess. The bullpen is a dumpster fire. Quite a long season, man. 162 games. By the way, with that Dominguez home run, courtesy of our pal Sarah Langs, youngest player since 1901, 1901, to hit three home runs in his first five games. So the Martians setting the standards pretty high, pretty high so far in his early Yankee career. I will say this, though, about the Yankees before we get into some um, Met talk here for a sec. The word that I had been using when describing watching the Yankees and what that experience has been like. To me, it was kind of stale. Like, that's what the Yankees have become, stale. At least with this incorporation of youth, maybe it's a little bit more appealing of a product that you're having to tune in for if, indeed, you're still hanging on for uh, somewhat hope that this season can be salvaged. There was also a report, before we get back to the phone calls here, that the Mets are progressing towards bringing in David Stearns to be their head of baseball operations. Uh, They were given permission from the Milwaukee Brewers, Mark Atanasio, because remember, he's in his last year of his deal. He's transitioned into a consultant role this year. And so they decided that, okay, you know, you can let him talk and see if he can work something out because he's not going to be with Milwaukee any longer. Stearns, of course, grew up here. He was a Met fan. So it seems to be a pretty decent fit there. Now, Stearns did... Some good, also some not so good with Milwaukee when he was the one calling the shots. Went to the playoffs four consecutive seasons. That had never been happened before. That had never happened before in the history of the Brewers franchise under his watch. Um, but unfortunately, one of his last big decisions that he made was last summer, right before the trade deadline, when they inexplicably traded Josh Hader, their all-star closer, to the San Diego Padres. Um the Brewers had a playoff spot. And then after that trade was made, they completely fell apart. It killed the clubhouse, killed the baseball team, and more importantly, you know, 
the guys in that clubhouse are looking at it is you just traded this guy to the Padres, one of our good players, and you helped another team we're competing with in the National League to try to get to a World Series. That didn't sit right, and ultimately it cost them a spot in the postseason. That's why I joked around. I said if the Philadelphia Phillies ended up winning the World Series last year, David Stern should have got a ring because Milwaukee's collapse in the second half of the season is what allowed Philadelphia to sneak in, make the playoffs, and get all the way to the Fall Classic, where they came up short to the Houston Astros. Here is Ken Rosenthal. He of the Athletic, Fox Sports. He was a guest on the Foul Territory podcast talking about the Mets' interest in David Stearns. It's been no secret for quite some time now that the Mets have coveted him as their president of baseball operations. They have tried to hire a few different people for that position and have struck out, and they've been waiting on Stearns. Now, the key development in what we published last night was that as of August 1st, after the trade deadline, he was free to talk to other teams. And remember, the Brewers had denied permission for the Mets to interview him earlier. Now that is not a problem. And we were told, Will Salmon and I, who co-wrote the article with me, that they are down the road with David Stearns. Multiple people told us this, that the Mets have had extensive conversations with him. Stearns also talking to other teams. Remember, he used to work for the Astros. His wife is from Houston. There's an obvious connection there, but they have a GM, Dana Brown. And unlike the Mets, it does not seem that they want to hire a president of baseball operations over him. But David Stearns has been a focus of the Mets for quite some time now. He is a native New Yorker. He's a guy who grew up a Mets fan. And my understanding from people close to him is that he's re-energized. He's ready to go again. He's had a year off and he wants to get back in the chair. I don't know if a year off, though, is enough to re-energize somebody. I don't know. I guess he would have to do that job to be able to answer that question specifically. But nevertheless, um, the thing that he has going for them, and I'm sure that, look, he's a human being, so I'm sure that probably the thought entered his mind on occasion. The Mets made multiple efforts to try to reel him in over the last couple of years. At least Steve Cohen did. So the thought probably was in his mind that, yeah, you know what? Going back home might not be the worst thing in the world. That'd be kind of cool. Team I rooted for. Max Scherzer serves up another long ball in the second inning, so it's now 3-1 Astros. Wonder how that forearm is feeling. Let's say hi to Jose in Brooklyn up next here on 9870 ESPN. Hello, Jose. How are you? Good evening, Dan. Shout out to the company. And I was just here calling and just listening to the earlier Yankee talk. And I'm just like, man, uh, uh. now it's gotten to that mixed feeling road. Because there was a time where I was very angry that my team won. Right. And and I know you, you, you and it and it happened recently. And I know you, I I think you know where I'm hinting towards. You know, it was a meaningless game in December, where we kind of had the number one pick all <laughs> locked up with Trevor Lawrence, and for some reason, Adam Gase decided to fire Greg Williams because of the media scrutiny of the week before. And we needed to show a message that this team was still professionals. So they won a meaningless game that ended up getting me so angry because we lost Trevor Lawrence. But then I was like, okay, maybe, you know, Justin Fields will pan out. And then, you know, we went down the worst roller coaster ride that I never wanted to go on. But here's the difference with the Yankees. Since it's, you know, since it's more, rather than it's like one draft pick that's, you know, being heralded as the savior of the franchise and everything is kind of heaped on to them. 
here there's a couple of kids coming up, and they're kind of surprising and playing very well, including Jason Dominguez. But you know what my fear is, Dan? Is you're going to win too many games here? Yes, where they win too many games. (laughs) And Hal Steinbrenner... And George Cash um, and, and Brian Cashman. George sorry. Cashman. I like how you're just. I like how you're taking the best of Yankee past and just all conjuring them up together, Jose. That's fun. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> For Brian Cashman. For Brian Cashman, and they're gonna just conjure up a new spin on why they're gonna let Aaron Boone stay around. And you know what? They're not gonna do the right thing and give him an extension. No, 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 no. Cashman is going to try to do the same thing that he did with Girardi, which is have Boone go out in his last year of his contract in a prove it in a prove it scenario situation. But kind of like with Girardi, it wasn't going to matter if he won the World Series. Cashman, in his mind, already has his next manager picked out. So that is kind of my fear with these scenarios, Dan. So those are my takes, and I want you to have fun with them. Have a great one. Jose, you'd be good. Look, I I can't sit here and say that you're necessarily wrong. Um, I am not a big believer, as you know, of allowing what happens over the final month of the season to sway me into evaluating a season a particular way, right? Because anybody who's anybody that can look at the Yankees of 2023 rationally and objectively would tell you that the season was a disappointment. I don't know if you want to go so far as to say it was a disaster, but it was a huge disappointment. It didn't play out the way that they thought it should. And that's a problem. And even though you have some youngsters that have been here, that are now starting to breathe some new blood into this Yankee team, I don't think it makes up for the missteps of what they did to put this team together this year. And that's a dangerous place to live in, I think, if you're a Yankee fan. Because you can't be swayed into thinking that everything is going to be A-OK again next year just because of the fluky nature of a baseball season. But now you got the kids, and the kids are going to be here, and the kids are going to produce, so you hope... But again, are you really going to use only a month's worth of sample size into thinking, yep, we're going to give them everyday jobs next year? Because that's just as dangerous. On that home run that Scherzer just gave up a couple of minutes ago, Adolis Garcia, who's one of Texas's better players, went up for the catch in right field, landed awkwardly on his foot, and remained down and had to be helped off the field by trainers. So like I said, when it rains, it pours right now. The Rangers are in a horrible, horrible place at this moment. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. We'll get back to the football, including a couple of big things happening around the National Football League on the eve of the openers. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. By the way, so I always get geeked up on the broadcasts and the matchups for the NFL week in and week out. And today, finally, we get the information about the week one schedule, like who's going to get what game, you know, nationally and all these other things. So the CBS window at 425. Yeah, give me some of that. Give me some of that. So CBS has three games in the 4 o'clock window. Philadelphia, New England, that's their biggie. Right, that's where Jim Nance and Tony Romo are going to be. So the majority of the country is going to get that game. Then you have Miami and the Chargers. 
and the Raiders and the Broncos. Now, you would think Miami and the Chargers, two teams that made the playoffs last year, they got two young quarterbacks in the same draft class in Tua and Justin Herbert, that that would probably be like the next one on the list, right, in terms of distribution as to the majority of households that were going to get it. Apparently not, according to the map that I'm looking at. Raiders-Broncos is going to go to about 40% of the country. The only folks that are going to see Dolphins-Chargers on Sunday, this is if you don't have the Sunday ticket, are the people in Florida, people in Southern California, and for some reason, like two-thirds of the state of Oregon. Well, because I guess Justin Herbert, right? That makes sense. Probably it's the, the Justin Herbert following. Other than that, that is it. Everybody else is either getting Eagles-Pats or Raiders-Broncos. We in New York are getting Eagles-Patriots, which I'm okay with. You know, Eagles came short of a Super Bowl last year. Pats, division rival for the Jets. They're doing the whole Tom Brady uh, dog and pony show on Sunday, retiring his numbers. I'm okay with that. But it's just amazing. No love for Dolphins-Chargers. Like, Dolphins-Chargers, I think, is one of the better games on the week one schedule. Bengals are going to be playing the Browns. That is a game that you're going to see here in New York. One o'clock on CBS on Sunday. And Joe Burrow will be the quarterback for the Bengals. The calf is healed. He's good to go. He actually met the media today and was asked about how he's feeling. Just a lot of hard work to try to get healthy, try to get back. I'm in a good spot. You feel like you're ready to go for a week Yeah, I'm ready to go. I think, I mean, we're going to see how these next couple days play out because you never know with these things, but I'm expecting to play. Uh, like I said, we'll see how these next couple days go. He's playing, okay? Breaking news, he's playing. But Joe Burrow is also somebody that is due for contract extension. He's that next quarterback that is due for the mega blockbuster deal. He'll probably be the highest-paid quarterback once that thing is done surpassing even Justin Herbert and what he got. What about that contract situation, Joe? This is where I want to be my whole career. We're working towards making that happen. We've seen what the front office has done and what Zach has done in their time here, and I'm a small part of that, and you know I'm excited to be a part of that. And we have great people in the locker room that grind every day that are excited to go and showcase their talents and excited to do it in the city of Cincinnati. You know, we have the best fans, and so this is where I want to be. Hey, it's going to be the richest contract by far the Bengals have ever given out. That's for sure with this kid, but you know what? He's earned it. You don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance, and he's a special one. Speaking of quarterbacks, according to reports, you see who's getting the start for the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday in D.C.? That would be Joshua Dobbs, a guy who was acquired by the Cardinals like a couple of weeks ago. To say that Arizona is not trying to win would be an understatement. It's really bad. Like, really, really, really bad out there. I don't know how many of you are survivor pool players for the upcoming season, but me thinks that the Arizona Cardinals are probably a safe team to pick against throughout this entire season. Like, you could, you, you might win a survivor pool picking against the Cardinals each week if you can realistically make that happen, as long as you don't, like, burn the same team twice or whatever. You could do that. Because I don't know how many games the Cardinals are going to win this year. I mean, they are, they're not, they're not even apologetic over it. They don't care if they lose spectacularly this season. And they want to draft Caleb Williams. And did you see Caleb Williams' father come out today and say, 
Well, there's no no, no guarantee he's going to be in the NFL next year. We'll be patient with this, which is a translation of, you know what, if the Cardinals are going to be the biggest disaster known to man, we're not in any rush to make sure that he goes and plays for that franchise. Good. 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 I, I mean, it's almost like they hired a coach to ensure that they would be horrible. Right? Like the ownership there, Bidwell was like, you know what? I want us to lose. I want to tank. Who can I get to coach this team? Because, look, I didn't think Cliff Kingsbury was a great head coach, but he was good for at least three, four wins a year, right? Or maybe even play above their heads the first half of the season. It was always the second half of the season where the Cliff Kingsbury teams would go south. Wow, they are bad. Bad, bad, bad. Lastly, congratulations to one Nick Bosa of the San Francisco 49ers. He ends his holdout not a moment too soon. How about five years a hundred and seventy million dollars, a hundred and twenty-two million guaranteed. Highest-paid defensive player in the history of the NFL. Wasn't that Aaron Donald like five minutes ago? And now it's Nick Bosa. Amazing, amazing, amazing! I tell you. You know why the Niners can do something like this too, boys and girls? It's what happens when you have a quarterback who is a seventh-round draft choice. And he's on his rookie deal, and you're paying him nothing. That's why the Niners have as good of a roster as they do. And that's why they got guys that make a lot of money. And they can afford to keep him around for the time being because the quarterback makes nothing. The kicker might make more than the quarterback. Scary a thought that is. But football's here. Football's around the corner. Cannot wait. Let's say I had a Rob in Statsburg up next here on 98.7. Hello, Rob. How are you? Not bad, Dan. Yourself? Good, Rob. What's going on, man? Uh, not much. Just calling about the opening that you had with the jet hangover. How there's 50% haters, 50% want to love. And I got to say, I've been a diehard. I'm 50. I go back to the Mud Bowl and Richard Todd hitting a linebacker at the goal <laughs> line. And quite frankly, I'm drinking the Jet Kool-Aid this year. I, I have to admit it. I... Everything that I'm hearing from the media that's pro-Jets, I am drinking it down. I believe we got the new sack exchange. I can't wait till finally we're playing in the fourth quarter with a 14-point lead and guys are pinning their ear back and, and being a wrecking crew. I believe that we got Revis Island 2.0, except for that. You know what, DJ Reed is better than Antonio Cromartie. I can't wait for this defense to play a lead. I'm not even waiting for the Buffalo game to even announce that I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I don't even have to watch us smack the, the the crap out of no, no, Buffalo, no, no, Buffalo. I'm just telling you, the running game is going to be incredible this year. Everybody keeps working, you know, talking about Aaron Rodgers, 4,500 yards, 5,000. We don't even need that. Line up Mekhi Becton. Let him punch Micah Parsons in the mouth. Let these big dogs just go smash people. And if everybody wants to stack the box, then all of a sudden we got Aaron Rodgers hitting Wilson. And don't sleep on Jeremy Ruckert. Let me know what you think. I Thank love you. Ruckert. Ruckert's, Ruckert's my guy. He's going to have a breakout year. See, he, Rob's drinking the Kool-Aid. And you should. You should. You're a Jet fan. You waited long enough for this. I know that there have been some seasons where, you know, you made some splashy acquisitions and there was a lot of hype and, and everything. I get it. But you should embrace this as opposed to what you had to look forward to maybe over the past few seasons, maybe even more than a few. 
to where you say, well, if everything broke right, you could maybe win seven, eight games. Now if everything breaks right, you're talking about maybe going to a Super Bowl. Unbelievable. Yeah, the kicker and the punter for the 49ers are both making more than the quarterback. And that's why you're allowed to have a really good roster. And you could keep these guys around. Now, eventually, you're going to have to – it's all going to catch up with you, and you're going to have to manage your salary cap for the time being. That's why the Niners are going to be a tough out, because they got a real, real good roster. 800-919-3776. Madison Keys wins, so you get two American women out of the last four at the U.S. Open. Pretty cool. We go to the top, then it's Larry and Gordon. Grasso with you here on 98.7 ESPN. Are they playing games with your respiratory system? This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. A few more minutes. We'll hand things off to Larry and Gordon. Busy show we have for you planned for tomorrow night. Remember, our new start time, 6.30. We go till 9 o'clock each evening. We have the NFL opener with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Detroit Lions. We'll do some over-unders tomorrow. We'll give you a handful of picks as far as wins, losses, that type of thing. We'll give you our season predictions. We're going to talk to Jordan Renan tomorrow. For you Giant fans out there, he's going to join us. First of his weekly spots with us during the football season, so we look forward to that. A huge football frenzy show on this Thursday night. Uh, Let's check in on Max Scherzer, our old buddy in the Texas Rangers tonight. Well, he's in the third inning right now against the Astros, and uh, he has given up not one, not two, but three home runs, most recently a grand slam by Jose Abreu. So it's 7-1 Astros in the third with two men out. I I, I just don't understand the thought process here. Not that it's the Mets' problem anymore, but I, I really don't understand it in the sense that Scherzer's last start, he took himself out because he was dealing with some forearm tightness. And he sat up there, and I watched him after the game in the locker room say, you know, got to be smart about it. You don't want it to turn into anything more seriously. Okay, great. But there was some forearm tightness. And he's not young. And whenever you hear that with a pitcher, that generally does not mean it's a sign of good things to come. Now he's going out there tonight, and he's essentially throwing batting practice. And yet the Rangers are allowing this to happen. Like, they're allowing him to pitch through this. And I know that they're in a bad spot, and I know that their season is crumbling, like I talked about earlier in the show. And Nathan Avaldi, who took over as the ace of the staff after Jacob DeGrom underwent Tommy John surgery, Avaldi had a great first half of the season. He was an all-star, but then he went on the shelf. He made his return to the mound last night, and he got tattooed. So they are a sinking ship. You know what? Maybe more team. you know, if, if this continues for the Texas Rangers – And the Yankees keep winning. Who knows? Maybe this whole silly thought about the Yankees maybe stealing a playoff spot, it could come to to life. It's going to at least give some of these other teams more of an opportunity, whether you're Boston, whether you're Toronto, whoever. But postseason party ain't going to include Texas. I can tell you that. Doesn't matter how good of a manager Bruce Bochy is. Doesn't matter how much he's going to the, you know, Hall of Fame. This is a mess. But you know what? That's luck for you. And sometimes that intervenes. That's a tough pill to swallow, too, if you're a fan. Um, 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. So, yeah, I'm getting geeked up for the start of the season this week, and I cannot wait. I'm already starting to give a nice little glance maybe into 
the week one slate. I kind of just like put it off to the side. Like I don't even really look at it much all throughout the summer. You know, it's like you worry about that once the season rolls around. But now you're starting to dive into these matchups because it's that much closer to happening. You know, for you survivor players, you probably identify a couple of likely targets at this point that will maybe set you on your way. Because the first week of the season is the hardest for a survivor pool because you just don't know how these teams are going to be. But right now when I'm looking at it, obviously you got to pick against Arizona. So you got to go all in on Washington probably week one. You, I would probably say Baltimore at home. They're taking on the Houston Texans. C.J. Stroud, rookie quarterback, making his first NFL start on the road. That's not exactly a favorable situation. And maybe even Seattle. You know, the Rams going up there to the great Northwest. I'm not as high on the Seahawks as maybe, I. you know, they. As, I don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year. But the Rams are going to have a real tough season, I think. And you would probably feel that the Seahawks can at least take care of business at home in week one, right? But that's why it's dicey in the first week, because there's always that big upset that nobody saw coming. And it might not even be a true indicator of how these teams are really going to be over the course of the season. But just that one misstep is all you need to have your complete season ruined when it comes to Survivor Pool. Do you guys do Survivor at all? I know you do fantasy. I do. You do? I'm leaning uh, to go against Arizona for as long as possible. You have to. You have to. Especially with Washington in the first week, knock them out early. Place will be buzzing. The place is like sold out. Everybody's going to have like a yay. Dan Snyder no longer owns the team party. I thought about Baltimore against Houston. Baltimore's number two. Like I said, Baltimore Baltimore is, they got to be second on the list. And maybe even you would say first, but only it's more of like an anti-Arizona pick than anything else. Like I don't, I don't 100% trust Washington. It's just that I 100% don't trust Arizona. That's where you make the pick. And sometimes that's what this survivor thing is. It's like you're not necessarily putting your allegiance to one team. It's like you're putting your allegiance away from another. Any faith in uh, Atlanta going up against I wouldn't touch that week one. Carolina? Not for a week one, no. Because I don't, I, I don't have a read on either of those teams, and you can't burn that in the first week. You know what the rookie quarterbacks in their first start is? It's like 3-20-something. I know, but you just never know. You never know. Hey, Mark Sanchez won his first career start. As a matter of fact, you never know. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Thanks to Joe. Thanks to Harvey. Thanks to everybody that called. We're back with you tomorrow at 630 right after TMKS. Gordon and Larry up next on 98.7 ESPN.